Johnny Wang's characters turn into sadistic animals, so it's easy to know who you should hate and who to root for. Also, Andy Lau joins the violent cinematic universe of Johnny Wang's and promptly earns him a little bit more money at the box office. Slicing and dicing coming up, my name is Kenny B and with me is Tom KW and this is the director series 37 on Johnny Wang's City Warriors and Bloody Brotherhood. Don't know if I mentioned this in the other episodes, but I, I think, think there's valid um, arguments that you sh- that you should do a director series on a director that me- that essentially merely did action films. And it seems like we've been able to get some notes out of that, notes out of Hong Kong Godfather, notes out of Fury, Innocent Interloper, and so forth. And therefore, uh, a short career as a, a director um, is uh, uh, tracking on here in, in terms of the podcast coverage. So uh, it hasn't been easier necessarily. You know, just because we're, oh, we're not doing Mabel Chung, so now we can relax and just put our feet up and watch action films. Like, no, there's, there's some anal- uh, analysis to be done. I was kind of hoping for that, but um, no, there's definitely, uh, well, it's a different part of your brain using, I suppose, isn't it? But it's definitely always something to, to talk about with, with Johnny's films. I think I need to, um, because there weren't any interviews as such that I found with him talking about his career when we did the first episode but by this point the Marshall Club Blu-ray has dropped in the UK and that features an interview which I think is new it's either new or from the uh, video archive that they have uh, there Uh, but there is a uh, Wang Longway interview on the Marshall Club Blu-ray and so I'm going to screen that um, at some point to see if he touches on the directing career it might just be about his work with uh, Chang Jie and Lao Galang and so forth uh, Oh, I hope so, man. I think it'd be really interesting if 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 he did. So let's move over to Tom KW. Uh, he's the um, he's the YouTuber of the um, podcast on Fire Network. He's the videographer of the uh, <laughs> what po- of the podcast on Fire Network Re- and responsible booze hounding two forty p on YouTube. How long did it take you to come up with that? That's a very accurate ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I give him grief because, uh, like, uh, he there neither Stu, what well, was Stu? I think is in HD. Tom is like in two forty p or one forty four p on, like on YouTube. So you're not gonna get four k a four k presentation of the logalogs uh, anytime soon. Maybe in the future, but currently not. The people aren't ready, Ken. They're not ready for him in HD just yet. Why not? Because you you take the time to. Either dress up or not dress up at all. Don't you want that in 4K? <laughs> maybe, maybe down down the line, yeah, possibly. When I start thinking about my past, my my history, my what I'm going to leave for my kids, maybe I'll start thinking about downloading it or sorry, recording it in HD and then downloading it onto the computer and putting it onto VHS. Possibly, I, I don't know how I'm going to archive it yet. I'm I'm still thinking about it. Well, uh, to give a little bit of a context, uh, I'm going to let you plug the logalogs for um, in a short bit. But uh, for some reason, when you have um, guests on your stream, you uh, take the opportunity to, um, or you are guests on someone else's stream, you take the opportunity to make a, an impression by either applying makeup on your face or not dress at all. That's the kind of variations I gather that. Uh, That's the, the two ends of the, the spectrum. 
is you, what you're trying to tell me. And when not dressed at all, I mean, it seems like you don't. <laughs> you, I'm just you, very, just very relaxed and just. I'm just gonna spill the beer on me anyway. So why, why like? Of course, dress? yeah, definitely. I'm gonna end up showering for days after some of those live streams. So you know, why, why let clothes get in the way? That's what I say. Why did you paint your face blue in one of the streams? I'm just a big fan of Blue Man Group. Uh, I like what they do. I think they're, 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 they're funny guys. They're exciting guys. And I just want to be like them when I grow up. You blew yourself, in other words. I did. I, I blew myself before and after the show, yes. And during, seemingly. Well, that's all fun. Um, <laughs> let's uh, get down to business. The logs. describing it. Yeah. Where? And uh, in short, what do you do each and every week? Now, mostly on the video, you and Stu. Uh, we are, yeah. The podcast is on hiatus for now. Season five will be coming to your earbuds towards the end of the year. But yeah, at the moment, uh, check out the YouTube because that's where we're at, at the Lager Logs. Um, over there, doing a lot of beer reviews, mystery beer reviews, tours of breweries. Um, we've got a, a game show we've, we've currently just wrapped up on, um, so check that out as well. Uh, and plenty of new and exciting, crazy ideas for, for you to check out. I mean, I think it's the only YouTube channel worth subscribing to at the moment. Us, us and, and PewDiePie, that, that, that's about it, guys. There's, there's nothing else that, that's needed over there. If you can't stand PewDiePie, check out the second best YouTube channel on there, and that's the Logs. PewDiePie is not my generation, and it's um, um, uh, it's way too noisy, and it's way too much fun in one package. And compared uh, to the quiet, way to and sort of non-fun lager logs. <laughs> I enjoy like a frantic film presentation, you know, at the best of times. Someone who's in your face. I I don't enjoy it when I'm perusing YouTube no. for someone to for someone to do a a walk a game walkthrough. And be a clown about it. Having said that, whenever I do watch long plays, it's usually of vintage adventure games mm. without commentary. Someone just playing <laughs> it in silence. <laughs> you saying you don't want somebody shouting at you? I don't. I don't want to watch like King's Quest one and two playthroughs with someone being a clown about it at the same time. I want to watch someone play the effing game. You should probably not join one of our live streams then at any point in the future. PewDiePie is going to be our guest next time around. <laughs> Revealing it today here on the show, guys. Yes, next week PewDiePie is now. But you should check out the show anyway. It's, it's pretty cool. And check out non-noisy game playthroughs as recommended by Ken. And uh, we'll link to the Logilogs, um website and their YouTube channel and all of that good stuff uh, for all your podcast on fine network needs, including the back catalog of directors series, the director series um, in progress, Johnny Wang's filmography. So you have episodes on Hong Kong Godfather, This Man is Dangerous, The Innocent Interloper, and Fury, and, uh, and now in process, City Warriors and Bloody Brotherhood. So thanks for, for the support of uh, this particular uh, director. Uh, but uh, check out uh, the back catalogue of the director series, Podcast on Fire, This Week in Sleaze, Japan on Fire and so forth on our website or wherever you find podcasts such as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio and um, all that good stuff. Uh, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I also do... Uh, Twitter at so good reviews. Um, I usually say that I have a website. I do, but I'm, I've, um, it's a little bit um, on a hiatus 
as well in terms of putting stuff on the website. I still write, I still post, but I normally post on uh, on my socials, like my Facebook page or my letterboxed. Uh, so I, I don't do the HTML work uh, anymore. If you is that will. what they call it? Is it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know nothing okay. about it. I use templates, cut and paste, <laughs> cut and paste it into it. And uh, I really don't have the time to do that anymore, but, but I do enjoy posting what I reviews of what i watch even if there are long reviews like i just put up a longer ish review rather than a quick take review of the taiwanese 3d martial arts film dynasty and that didn't go up on the website but it did go up on facebook and on letterboxd uh, dynasty is a uh, in indeed were, was a proper 3d film had american supervision on it because that 3d system needed to have supervision by the creators to make sure the 3D effect was uh, cool and that um, that was uh, available in 2D for many many years now there is a 3D Blu-ray that you can uh, enjoy both in 2D both in 3D via 3D TV or with the regular old school uh, 3D glasses which I did and I have to tell you it was a lot of fun <laughs> did it work did it a lot of pointy <laughs> pointy stuff and a lot of clever um, uh, clever shots uh, flying guillotines coming at you spears oh. and uh, uh, horses riding around in the foreground, uh, creating that depth. Really good fun. Not the greatest film, but a lot more fun in the format it was supposed to be watched in. In the, uh, the because the spectacle was a three D spectacle, and it doesn't appear that lively in two D. So uh, it was really cool to have that in three D. And the same team made a second film called Thirteen Golden Nuns, uh, aka Revenge of the Shogun Women. That is also out on three D Blu Ray in the same fashion so fingers crossed that someone gets magnificent bodyguards mm, because I, be as much one. as i dislike that film it's not supposed to be in 2d it's supposed to be in 3d and i want to judge it on those um, terms definitely that'd be very interesting to see so uh, we'll see if someone can find a version of that fingers to, uh, crossed come, because um, it would be nice uh, I, don't, I don't don't think there's any purpose to release it in 2d yeah Again. <laughs> exactly, it's been out a few times. So, uh, uh, Magnificent Bodyguards as a Jackie Chan film. Not bad, but it's also very bad at points. But it's not supposed to look that way, really. Uh, it, it was shot in proper, what was it called? Super Touch 3D. Um, mm. uh, again, an American-developed system. So, they needed to have an American supervisor on it, and they did. So, um, check all that out. Uh, the link's in the show post. So, let's move over to the first review. There's not a whole lot of background to these uh, films. We, we have some box office uh, figures to present to you. But essentially, we're going to head into the review of City Warriors by Johnny Wang from 1988. And plot from Letterboxd, a soldier from mainland China, played by Dick Wei, arrives uh, in Hong Kong to look for his estranged sister and finds out she has been forced into prostitution by a criminal organization. Aside from his work uh, during the final days of Shaw Brothers and certainly at DMB in regards to Fury, it does seem like Johnny, like Johnny Wang, positioned himself like he, he worked mostly small productions. You know, even if a good cast was there, so uh, so the box office performances of his films uh, really didn't uh, signal like uh, it wasn't like uh, a Cinema City production, and therefore Cinema City figures or anything like that. Uh, his films have been had been hovering around two or three million in terms of uh, the box office earnings, four million at most uh, so far. But uh, 
he was clearly employ- uh, employable, Tom, uh, because um, yeah, he, he was cranking out a, a film every year, essentially, and the industry was cranking out films, action films, a lot of them, not always on a high budget. So it seems like he could find a place, his place somewhat well. You know, when, when you have a lead like Dick Way, you're not going to earn 30 million necessarily um but, sadly uh, not no sadly not but um but it's neat anyway to watch how he navigated that very busy cinema landscape so you have like dick way here karina lao support from uh, shumwai i don't know this by uh, I, I don't know any facts about anything right now but considering shumwai is essentially in every johnny wang films film they must have been pals, surely. I think so. I'm starting to get that feeling. Yeah, because he like, like he turns up in Fury for like a couple of seconds, yeah. right? He's a SWAT team member. In, believe it or not, Shum Wai. He's a SWAT team member in Fury. So I, I just have a feeling that uh, he always found a place for his body. I think so. That's really cool. That is. Yeah, uh, but uh, he's here. Choi Yun is here in City Warriors and uh, Philip Chan. So, uh, um, but, but but leading up to the actual. Uh, earnings of City Wars. I don't think it's that surprising that it only earned 2.5 million Hong Kong dollars. Uh, and this was his second film in 1988, by the way. Uh, Fury was a January 1988 release, and uh, City Warriors was December. And um, its release window sort of bled into January 1989, playing for about a month, but still only earned 2.5 million Hong Kong dollars based on this cost and um, and genre. And I'm not that terribly surprised, to be honest. Uh, which is sad, but still, he, he was employable for a bit there, and uh, certainly after his directing career stopped, he still appeared in uh, movies every now and again. But uh, uh, it's been funny watching all those uh, chang Chi films. I've, I've been watching a lot of his filmography in chronological order, and uh, boy, he's always there. Baby Wang. <laughs> he never was Baby Wang. You know, he was always the big, grown badass. <laughs> I did read that the reason he's not fighting in the five venoms, he plays a, a magistrate, a judge, it was a sort of punishment by Chang Che for whatever reason. So uh, so he just sits there, you know, barking what orders. Happened? That's interesting. Yeah. Hit a stuntman too hard or something like that, maybe. Uh, but uh, then, like, when Crippled Avengers uh, came around, then it was uh, back in full full swing and uh, so so it's fun to watch his uh, Shaw Brothers uh, career including his uh, classic fight in Marshall Club as we mentioned with Gordon Liu in that uh, na- uh, increasingly narrow alleyway that they fight in of note by the way in terms of City Warriors is that Johnny Wang is the co-action director on the film as well he works alongside Tony Tam which was his collaborator on Fury and also a man called Hong San Nam both of which would grace Johnny's films in the future, including on Bloody Brotherhood. At least one of them appears in it as well. And Hung San Nam was the choreographer on Escape from Brothel because that film required such works because it has a nude fight after all. So <laughs> I didn't know. It's nice to forget and be reminded, like, <laughs> nude fight again. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you bought Escape from Brothel in the UK, no nude fight because I, I, I think they cut it completely like there's no way to cut around this no it's gotta go sadly <laughs> so yeah uh, so that year fury was still johnny's biggest hit in terms of um, box office 3.7 million against city warriors earned 2.5 million um, and they beat hong kong godfather uh, that earned 3.2 million but it wasn't a match for the hits of that year of course that included dragons forever and police story 2 both earning over 30 million the chinese new year comedy it's a mad 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 world 2 earned 25 million and that was a dmb film uh too the michael hoy comedy uh fast food comedy 
Chicken and Duck Talk earned 29. And the Chinese Fat Comedy Diary of a Big Man earned nearly 20 million. So uh, Tough competition, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially the new e- uh, Chinese New Year comedy lineup. Um, so uh, it's hard to match those uh, numbers. But uh, but yeah, there we were in terms of uh, City Warriors performance. So we're going to transition into the review. And as for my short opinion, it's been a dog's age since I watched this. So it was a very, very much a new experience. It's it's not as focused on performance as an actual character like Fury was. But despite being like familiar and tropey, having animalistic characters dishing out sadistic violence is a little sort of, for me, increase in Johnny Wang's vision for urban warfare. Uh, it makes City Warriors compelling and not a repeat of of Fury or Hong Kong Godfather. So this little extra sadistic touch, while not like like its exploitation, of course. So it's not like this uh, thing that all critics would hail or anything. But but I think that makes the movie a standout, even if the even if he's not like transforming into this newly born narrative director that now is gonna earn all the money and all the awards. No, but the little sadistic extra touch. I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm going to hell. That um, <laughs> that uh, worked for me very much in City Warriors. So it makes it an, an easy watch, a hard watch at points, actually. Uh, but but memorable and certainly not a waste of time. So uh, if you're into the Johnny Wang sort of hard-hitting stuff, expect this to appear ever so slightly newish because I haven't seen the amount of just gross sadism that appears in this movie before, you know. So I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of agree with with what you said about it's not a massive change to his formula, but there is something a little bit different with this one, a little bit darker with this one, um, a little bit more bit more exploitationy. Um, I don't think it's a great movie. I think the seeds were definitely there, planted for a great movie, but it didn't didn't quite bloom for me. I don't think I enjoyed it as as much as you did. Yeah, I think uh, b- b- because those sequences are quite notable and memorable when he does go uh, dark and uh, hard hitting mm-hmm. on us, that makes all the difference in the world. If those scenes weren't that good, it would have been a little bit of so-so experience. Uh, but but uh, but I do enjoy the sort of, uh, well, literally like, like this coked up uh, atmosphere. And we literally have like this coked up triad or yakuza. Uh, uh, in the beginning stages of the film like raping and killing a prostitute that he might have force fed cocaine to so it's very loud and direct like and uh, so it starts off quite slow and then it builds <laughs> but you know what i mean there is something to be said for making sure such sequences and such performances punching through the screen you you sort of need to make it coked up and in feeling as well and and he he's very he's very good at like tra- at tra- translating that, that sort of darkness that sort of out of control bad guy behavior and I, I think if you think that's a little bit of an underrated um, aspect even if he isn't making this fully formed narrative that deserves these four stars or anything but th- there is something to be said for um you you just don't point and shoot this stuff is my point you know yeah he does bring out the best in the performers I think and. You know, they always deliver that energy. Like the rule, it's always kind of ramped up to like 20 and it's just nonstop. And I think that it makes the film probably a bit more entertaining than it would be if, you know, if they slept walk through the thing. So I think you're definitely right in that. I think he has a, he's got a talent for bringing out the best in his performers. And I remember, I mean, I'm not comparing Johnny Wang to Ringo Lam or anything, but I remember reading something about um, Ringo Lam was incredibly meticulous in terms of 
the impact of his uh, violence on screen needing to be correct like um, the meticulousness I think in, in that interview or that uh, talk from somewhere I don't remember was uh, directed towards how school on fire appears and he wasn't going to let that go until it felt right that chaos and that uh, atmosphere and that uh, pessimism uh, so he was very good at that he didn't just point and shoot it, uh, into grimy gritty locations and then automatically got himself this gritty and dark film so mm. you know there, there is something to be said for how, how action is staged and how darkness is staged that you you need to be um l- you know fairly good at your job to make that felt and i mean th- th- there's even here uh, evidence of how johnny wang sees uh, gunplay you know street shootouts and uh, for me and you can certainly share your opinion i think uh, it, it's not focused on balletic style or anything it isn't john woo but it's certainly edgy because innocents get in the way as these things go from zero to hundred in the streets, like in a second. And I don't dislike that feeling either when it's just uh, when it's on for um, out of the blue, you know. Um, but 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 I don't know what you think if you if you thought like the gunplay stood out at all. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's grim and gritty, and I feel like it's anything could happen with it, and I, and I think that's a trait of Johnny's definitely with. The action filmmaking part of um, what he does, uh, or the action scene making part of his filmmaking, yeah, is it, it does feel like anything could happen. And I think he plays with like tropes a little bit, and and what you think might happen doesn't happen. And I, and I think that's what's the best thing about him. It's that kind of unpredictability with the action, uh, and even some of the exploitation elements aren't very predictable. You don't quite know what's going to happen. They tend to come out of nowhere and i feel like that always makes for an exciting watch with even when his films are maybe less so i feel like that element always keeps you kind of hanging on yeah he he had something he saw something rather than just um being this sort of mildly talented action director you know he, he saw something he wanted something on there and he, he was good at translating that to screen one of the things that surprised me it's it's very unusual to see an elder cinema veteran essentially appear as the tequila i.e. chai fats tequila yeah. from hardboard yeah. it's unusual to see that in uh, the era the, the sort of post uh, better tomorrow era but here we have a taiwanese cinema veteran oh chun hung as the main cop you know wielding guns and climbing a bus and you know being being jackie chan and chai fat you want and he, even he is chewed out by his um, superior, which is Philip Chan, who's yep. also the superior hardboiled. And it seems like, well, Philip Chan, I think, is, is not, um, is, uh, he's younger, but he's still chewing out someone who looks fairly old, but still appears as this uh, hardboiled, reckless cop, this dirty Harry. And, <laughs> I, and I found that very enjoyable um, uh, that, that he was put to work. He's a veteran of. Uh, these many of these Taiwanese movies where he plays an um, uh, an authority figure of some kind, whether in uh, military movies or what have you, and you can see him in Miracles. He's the he's the uh, main he, he's the main villain of the Miracles. Yeah, yeah, he's the, yeah. Uh, and he's having a lot of fun in that, you know, smoking his cigar and, <laughs> and uh, so that's Old Chun Hung. So I thought that was very entertaining that uh, you got someone older doing chai and fat and sort of jackie chan stuff here and and the headshot that 
the way he takes out a female robber. It's where brutal. you where you get this close up of the squib in slow motion that that placed on the actress's head forehead it's almost pornographic the it's, way Johnny White shoots it. <laughs> it's brutal it's unpredictability isn't it again it, it, it's having him do this kind of fair share or, or do the lion's share of that initial opening sequence I, I wasn't really expecting it having him hang off the side of a bus and smash through a bus window and then uh yeah culminating in, in that headshot you mentioned it was it was crazy it was his own kind of little standalone scene as well like almost like a you know, a fantastic opening sequence to get the film going rather than having any... I don't know whether it does have any narrative uh, weight. I'm trying to remember now, but I don't think it is. It's more just its own kind of badass standalone opening sequence, and it really works. It must hurt to have that thing blow up on on your forehead. I mean, better than a bullet, right? But still, <laughs> I wouldn't think, uh, you know, it, it was without it, it, the pain uh, of kind of having having that happen to you. So those are good little action moments going into the film. You have some close quarter fighting, and I like moments like, uh, especially when, when Ken Lowe is involved. You you have um, these moments where they, these close quarter fights that don't look like much, but I like moments when uh, stuntmen are thrown into into poles. You know, really quick, you know, really quickly thrown into poles, and boom, they're down. And having Ken Lowe there uh, being such a talented. Uh, kicker and kickboxing champion i think in real life uh, and eventually uh, jackie chan's bodyguard that snappy kicking and that yank into environments i think is good for the powerful impact of the film that that actually is here you know it's it's something to dissect even if the narrative isn't something you can dissect that that much or anything but i think we're still witnessing someone showing his touched power and brutality and there's evidence here that it wasn't a fluke that it appears as good as it did in Hong Kong Godfather, for instance, you know, or or in Fury. And I mentioned Ken Lo, he's, he's, he's essentially a, a villainous presence of sorts here. He's not a very nice character. Uh, it, it appears that he's nice for a bit, that he's protective, but it really wasn't. So, and, and you'd think he looks kind of nice. He should be the main good guy. But who's the good guy here? Dick Way! <laughs> such a, yeah, such an interesting casting decision but i'm so happy to to have it where i mean he's incredible and it's so good to see him in a leading leading kind of man performance and playing the playing the kind of country bumpkin that you know gets involved in in something that uh, is, is a lot more dangerous than, than it seems on the surface it's really interesting he's not leading man goal but not a terrible fit as this morally just good guy like a morally sound good guy you know because he steps in he steps up. He saves a child from a Ferris wheel. A very Amazing stupid child. sequence. Stupid yeah. little kid. Doesn't know any better. <laughs> uh, Clients that. But he's stoic and focused on his thing. But he's a good ethical man. And wh- while that doesn't deserve any award or anything. It's interesting to see him uh, handling that. And getting a chance to handle that. Rather than being a, a henchman standing around in the background. Then comes out to kick Jackie Chan's ass. Towards the end, you know. Yeah, it's it's good that he gets that spotlight shone on him, and he get, and he gets a bit of time, you know, to really. I, to be honest, I don't think there's enough uh, of him in the film. I think he, his story is the most compelling. I, I feel like I feel like it, in general, I've got the same feelings. Well, the same kind of recurring criticism keeps popping up. I feel with like Wang's filmography, and that it feels a bit overstuffed in terms of characters. Um, and I feel like this is no different, but. 
I think his story is the most compelling. Compelling is his acting is very nuanced and and interesting as well as 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 you mentioned him having that showcase of of that expected physicality. And his physicality is about uh, power. It's not about uh, this uh, kung fu hero. His um, and it goes along with the character character who wants uh, if if need be he needs to hurt people. And and towards the end we get a, a display of just. Uh, why use a Wing Chun on someone when you can just beat the shit out of them? Over and over and over till they're dead. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's like, uh, yeah, well, why, um, why make it more cinematic sometimes? Well, why just uh, you, you just punch someone to death? And if you're dick way, you can do that within like five or ten punches. Then you've cracked, uh, cracked their entire inner system. <laughs> I know what you mean. It get, it's a bit more of like, it gets a bit more kind of bashery to, towards the back end rather than any uh, any display of, of kung fu yeah I, I kind of i feel like i don't really want to jump to the finale straight away so i'll just say that i do like that kind of country bumpkin role that he's playing it's it's almost like uh bruce lee in uh, the big boss you know it, he's just kind of time bomb just waiting to explode and when we get the, he displays these moments of awesomeness and it builds up i, I just i don't it doesn't really take off for me, as it should do towards the back end, and I don't think he's given that given that chance to truly shine. And maybe because it's just a bit more bashery rather than with an emphasis on on, on any martial arts. I don't know, but I would have liked to have seen that, especially going toe to toe with Ken Lowe. I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. He he doesn't like tie a perfect knot on that character. It's quite a basic journey, but uh, but 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 I did enjoy that. Um, there's no mistake that Dick Way is powerful. So let's just play with that. Uh, old friend Shun Wai uh, turns up here, kicking women, also dressed like one. And uh, <laughs> because he uh, he's made, I, I didn't fully understand it. It seems like he was sort of a mama-san of this uh, brothel. But he's he's in drag, obviously. He's not he's that kind of boss of the brothel. That he's, he's in drag, but he's, uh, he's uh, dangerous and he's uh, not above torturing someone who wants out of the brothel game by putting a bag of insects <laughs> brothel game. Brothel game. he's not above putting a bag of insects and also maggots in that same Ugh. bag over a poor woman's head to uh, demonstrate the point that uh, this is what you get if you you want out and that was the most unpleasant thing i've seen in a while that didn't look fake. That's the thing. I, I think the bugs and the maggots might have been dead, but they still put that bag on the actress's head. And also, a bag over the actress's head. That's also dangerous. I remember it, and I, I, enjoy, I, I enjoy that the movie has this dangerous aura. But it's fucking unpleasant. Yeah, I felt, I felt like the constant torture and abuse of women in this film a, a bit uncomfortable to be honest there was there was there's definitely like a handful of quite uncomfortable scenes i mean like you mentioned the opening scene as well it's like geez okay well, is, this, is this what we're in for um <laughs> it's only going to get worse from here uh and yeah i mean actually it's different it, it's almost refreshing in this filmography that to give that different different vibe to it a bit of an exploitation like, vibe i think but... i did hard stuff before like hold my beer, hold my beer, log and dogs. I'm <laughs> yeah. just gonna do something else right now. If you ask me to hold your beer, I'm probably gonna drink it. To be honest, uh, old wangy boy. But I'll promise I'll buy you another one. 
it was not very nice. And I think those those exploitation moments they're, they're kind of tied in with with quite a, a bit of a you know depressing subplot involving a brothel and women being forced into prostitution. And it, you know, it's not pleasant, but it's definitely a bit more different to uh, I mean the more heroic bloodshed aspects of his, of his previous films and it's it's a bit more kind of um soap opera kind of kitchen sink you know that kind of dramatic edge to it which is which is quite interesting yep it's um i i've not seen that often but certainly not from johnny wang so it it stood out in that regard and of course uh shun wai is playing up the gay stereotype that uh, he's a dangerous character but he's a flamboyant queen as well so but but what do you expect from hong kong cinema at the time really so uh, yeah of course uh, um they initially hide the identity of the big boss by shooting his mouth but you sort of knew that's Yun, isn't it you like that's the guy from police story even if i'm just saying like one fourth of his face yeah, that kind of blow felt, almost blow felt kind of build up to it for, for some reason. I didn't, I don't understand why we're doing it, but it, it was cool either way. Like, hey, what's up, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I think uh, I think Johnny Wang's cinematographer kind of fucked up there. He's not shooting your face. <laughs> oh, there you are. Hello. Uh, he's a um, reputable character publicly, so um, that's the sort of twist of it all. That he's. Um, he said the politician, isn't he? So I suppose it's exactly. Yeah, it's like a bit of a bit of a surprise. Uh, some further little specific notes. Uh, I, I dig that uh, Dick Way is making mincemeat out of attackers uh, after the club scene. Again, there's yanks into things like cars and like quick quick takedowns and bone breaks. And uh, Dick Way never had a problem selling that power. And I think that comes off quite decently uh, decently here when he uh, springs into, into action. So uh, that's very good. Oh, by the way... Um, I didn't spot any uh, appearance from our director at this time. He um, he, st- he stood behind the scenes. Um, is he listed? Because I, d- I didn't see him either. I, d- I don't think he is. Neither in um, Bloody Brotherhood. So he kept out of the fray uh, for a little bit. Not that he needed to be Hitchcock in every movie, but uh, it seems like we got used to uh, Johnny Wang appearing in support for a little bit. So, uh, But no, he's uh, staying behind, uh, behind the scenes uh, here. And you always recognized him because uh, he's him and the the facial hair never goes away <laughs> no 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 sure it's a recurring character yeah so so yeah so choi is a councilman and that you know that's uh, there's that reveal and there's that added uh, villainous uh, villains part of the film uh, again a narrative that uh, isn't this uh, exemplary one or anything you you, you follow it but at, at one point you realize the film also exists for perhaps only for the powerful hard and kind of unpleasant and I, I don't dislike that because he's very good at executing those sequences but mm. uh, you know it's functional thread you know for the narrative I suppose and you, yeah. you get on with it because his focus seemed to be well we've established uh, people are vile a character like Sean Wai is vile. So let's have a second scene where he's even more vile. You know, the scene where he follows uh, the woman wanting to blow the whistle on the whole brothel operation. Then he trashes a phone booth and just stabs her. Brutally. Crazy. Crazy. It's quite a suspenseful, it's quite a suspenseful scene, quite well shot with like the build up and she's looking around and she doesn't know who's there. She doesn't know who's there. She hears something, and it's actually quite terrifying with the way it's shot and, and his overall kind of demeanor and just the oddness of of him dressed up as a woman as well. It's a very, very strange. I mean, and, and and that he like doesn't like pull her out of the phone booth. No, he trashes. No, it. just trashes it with with her in it. 
and and then and then slaps her brutally. So he's awfully skilled at making us wince. And we we've had violence, but uh, in his films. But as we said, this is a film with monsters, and I don't think Karina Lau is. Uh, going to discuss this film very openly anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's so. very un-Karina Lau. She, she's not involved in those sequences. She's placed this um, uh, tour guide for um, the mainland Chinese uh, visitors to Hong Kong. And and that's the thing when you think back at it, uh, on it. Was Karina Lau in more than five sequences? I don't remember because it really doesn't seem like her film that much. No, I mean, as I said, there is a lot of different story threads going on and it is really overstuffed with very unique characters so it, she does get lost lost in the shuffle a little bit but hey she does get the the ending frame uh <laughs> for, for herself so that that's got that's got to be something right <laughs> yeah, yeah put that on the cv on the show on the show reel uh so yeah so it, uh, it's not as engaging across the board as fury which i thought had some better than average performances some decent character even though he was kind of riffing on a better tomorrow for a while there a lot it's definitely a dro- dropping quality I, I i think for me a little bit yeah i mean i, I do enjoy though these uh, elevated bursts of brutality as we've discussed that that makes an impact on me and this further frenzy and this sort of uh, urban warfare, the gunplay that uh, rears its head again, it's loud, chaotic, it's meant to be violent and not stylish, pretty decent. Uh, but, um, and, and again, whether you think it's anticlimactic that the final fight is not this extended mano a mano thing, but just about yeah. force and killing. I'm, I'm going to speak for Johnny Wang here, but again, I don't know. But maybe someone thought, like, well, can we? There's been about 5,000 end fights in movies. Why not treat uh, the motivation of revenge like something more direct? And let's just have our characters punch the shit out of another character till he's dead. Doesn't make for great cinema, but it's it's one of the things I remember from City Warriors. Dick Way putting all his powers and putting that into onto another human being and all those punches will kill a human being because it's dick way <laughs> and uh but but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make for a great cinematic ending or anything but uh the, the i i'm i'm not ashamed to say that uh i do dig uh, the, the the showcase the demonstration of dick way's uh, powers and he genuinely is as a as a performer you know yeah i, I no i i do i haven't thought of it like that man that 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 does does make a, a lot of sense i think that's a good way of looking at it but I think for me, yeah, um, it's just a shame we didn't get more Ken versus Dick, or we didn't get more of an extended showcase. As, as they're they're really the, the secret weapon of the, the film, I feel. But you know, uh, on the kind of on the other hand, that that finale, I mean, it is it's 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 wet and it's dirty and it. During the sewers or the, the sewer runouts kind of thing, there. So. Yeah, and it, and it's dusty and it's it has got atmosphere. It does have texture, but. I think, you know, um, that little voice in my head kept saying, oh, man, wouldn't it be good to just see them both go at it, though, with a bit more uh, with a bit more detail? But, hey, yo. Well, at least uh, Ken Lowe got to be showcased and um, then some in films, you know, subsequently, a few years later down the line. With Definitely. Uh, Drunken Master 2. So it's, uh, he certainly, uh, they, they knew his strengths. And, oh, uh, they're could... both at their time to shine, for sure, uh, whether before or after this film. 
Uh, there's a little bit of a heavy-handed uh, coda to the film. Uh, <laughs> uh, I it, feel like it might have been a bit rushed, to be honest. Or that they struggled to finish it, possibly. It, it's like it's like a South Park thing. I learned something today. Yeah, and, no, uh, yeah. So Johnny Wang towards the end talks of that that mainland Chinese people and Hong Kongers. Uh, they need to understand each other better. Uh, the misconception and judgment of each other needs to be uh, thrown off the table, and we 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 can't carry grudge against each other, and we. Uh, can't uh, be unfriendly. We need to be friendly. We are the world. <laughs> I learned something today. We are the children. So yeah, there's a little bit of... Uh, because they make fun of mainlanders earlier in the film. Uh, and then by the end, they all come together. So um, heavy-handed and not Johnny Wang's uh, purpose as a cinematic voice. But, you know... Try, try and, try and you succeed, try and you fail too. And uh, I wasn't looking for this uh, lesson at the end of this film necessarily. So, <laughs> No, and it, you know, it's a journey, especially as we, we're watching this filmography in order. It's good to see that, or interested to see that progression and what, what works and what doesn't work. And um... I mean, in a quick, in a quick and fast moving cinema climate, in all honesty, because in 1988, they were cranking out movies. You don't have six months to spend on your concept your coda you need to be fast and nimble and if you have an idea put it in the film or don't put it in at all because we need to do this we need to be done tomorrow we're done so so do do your best and if it works it works if it doesn't then uh, then it's on you fast and furious filmmaking baby very much so uh, uh, the earlier joke by the way they, they reference uh the mainland china um, i i didn't write it down verbatim but they reference the mainland chinese uh, tour group or a character they call uh, them achan and that comes from that uh, tv series that was called uh, the good the bad and the ugly actually that chai in fact was in but also an actor called liu wai hong he was in nobody's hero and he played this mainland chinese country bumpkin ah nice 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 poor man and it kind of became the uh, the 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 image for mainland mainland Chinese country bumpkin, i.e., if you want to make a joke, you can reference back to that, but you're still being kind of cruel with your joke. You're calling them bumpkin, uh, bumpkins, and then I remember talking to Paul Fox about that because when Alfred Chung made his movie Her Fatal Ways, which is about a mainland Chinese woman police officer working in Hong Kong, she's not a country bumpkin. She's in a position of power. The only thing she doesn't know, she doesn't know Hong Kong properly, but she's not a fool. So as the years went by, that started to turn around a little bit, the appearance and the, uh, the depiction of mainland Chinese characters. And after a while, it got turned around to the point where the Hong Kong persons, people, were the country bumpkins. So, you know, we've had that sort of development in Hong Kong cinema that the, the easy joke has turned around a little bit, uh, or the, the the playing field has been leveled a little bit. So mm, I was racking my brain to think to, to think whether I I knew that reference or not, but it didn't come to me. But yeah, that that's really interesting. I didn't know that. So so yeah, he's uh, sort of making up for his joke by doing his we are the world thing towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. I have my criticisms towards uh, City Warriors, but uh, the 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 impact. Um, I, I don't deny the fact that the impact stays with me, even though it's very unpleasant as for, for the persons who had to make this. And uh, uh, and the fictional unpleasantness is uh, 
highly memorable to be honest like because i don't think sean why is in more than like two or three scenes and he, he's put to work definitely you know yeah. we know he's a re- reprehensible character but across like two or three scenes he really really makes us remember that he's a reprehensible character yeah for sure and he's a good actor who won the award for best supporting actor in long arm of the law so mm. sean why isn't this sort of, sort of uh, crappy b actor or anything he's very good He's in the protector as well for a little bit. He speaks English in the protector. Yeah, is, is he the, the brothel manager or the massage parlor part? part something massage like that. Something Around like the halfway that. point, he appears, uh, obviously, when they're in Hong Kong. But yeah, he's, yeah, he speaks excellent English, but I think he's dubbed in uh, the protector. But yeah, he, you, you can see he's, uh, he's, uh, he's an eloquent person. <laughs> That's all he wants to be known. And Johnny for. Wang's buddy, uh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bet. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I think he's passed away by now. By now, oh, anyway, I, so. I, I really hope that it comes to light one day that they were the uh, the best of buds. That make me happy. So anyway, do you have any other notes on City Warriors? That is about it, man. Um, very similar thinking to to you. One thing, fantastic score again. I think that's a recurring trend with. Johnny Wang's filmography, amazing music. Uh, no stolen cues that I, that I could recognise. It's like it's all from Walter. It's all from like Warriors. <laughs> Probably it's just from like one film, and I'm just yeah having a brain fart. But yeah, great stuff. Like the cue from Sorcerer, the Warriors, what have you. But now it's our score. <laughs> <laughs> so as for availability. Um, we, we don't intend to make uh, things uh, difficult for you, but uh, here's the thing. City Warriors never went beyond VHS, VCD, and the Laserdisc stage in Hong Kong. Uh, Maya did a crop to full screen VHS. They also put out a letterboxed and subtitled Laserdisc, which we had a chance to watch a copy of. And there's also evidence out there of a VCD from Pearl City that wasn't uh, subtitled. But uh, if you can't get any of these physical editions, I did check. The film is on YouTube. You have to look for yourself, though. Uh, so I'm not going to link uh, to it. But yeah, it, there is a subtitled version on YouTube. I think it was uh, Letterboxd as well. So it's from um, from, from this Laserdisc. Yeah. That's kind of it. Uh, you know, no Blu-ray reissue for this on the horizon. But, uh, but hey, the, it'll be a good enough version to watch. So don't don't fear uh, don't fear the YouTube rip. That's don't there. fear 240p, as Ken was alluding to in the beginning. I don't. Yeah, you're making a living out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, we're going to take a music break. Uh, who knows if there are any actual uh, 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 needle drops in Bloody Brotherhood that are from bigger American films. I don't know. But regardless, we'll uh, do a little... Uh, I didn't even check, by, by the way, if Andy sung the um, uh, end theme or not. But uh, regardless, uh, Bloody Brotherhood is next. And indeed, Andy Lau comes to the cinematic universe of Johnny Wangs. You know, uh, So uh, that'll be interesting. So uh, after a break, we'll talk Bloody Brotherhood from 1989. Welcome back, and before we go into the review of Bloody Brotherhood, I, I took a little a peek at Shum Weiss' um, filmography, because I, I know he was a director, he directed a couple of films, but he mm. was also an assistant director on three films, two of which were Johnny Wang films. He was the assistant director on Fury, 
He is in that for a little bit, but he was there. And the assistant director here on City Warriors. So uh, he's in it for a little bit. Uh, we remember him, but um, he probably had time to uh, stay behind the camera and uh, assist what I assume. I'm just going to assume they're friends. I don't care. <laughs> the, so uh, Shumai uh, was around there, not on the um, subsequent Johnny Wang films in terms of uh, the behind-the-scenes uh, work, uh, but um, looking at uh, the filmography, I'm just scanning for Widow Warriors. It seems like he isn't in Widow Warriors and uh, Escape from Brothel might be the same so hope they they didn't have a falling out or anything <laughs> i love how invested you are already yeah. you don't even know if it's real or not. i like friendship <laughs> but uh but yeah so um makes sense he was around because he was a creative collaborator that can could be relied upon as well so that's pretty cool anyway Bloody Brotherhood from 1989. Uh, we were in 1988 prior, and now we're in the year after here. So essentially, one film a year, or at most two films a year. And the plot from Letterboxd, uh, Wa, played by Andy Lau, is the only one in his family lucky enough to survive the deadly boat passage from China to Hong Kong. Once in Hong Kong, he searches for opportunities he heard so much about. After struggling for months, he, dis he discovers that this is all but a myth. And he gravitates towards uh, the triads, therefore, by following Brother Tong Fai, played by Michael Chan Wyman. So, sh sh shock and horror. Michael Chan as a triad? He normally plays uh, t teddy bears of uh, teddy bear characters, <laughs> like he's so kind. But, uh, he's, but yeah. he's the triad with the heart of gold in this one, though, which very is much, nice. Very much so. And, uh, and, and in all honesty, actually a good actor. Michael Chan is not a bad actor. He's a, he's a amazing very good actor. actor. Oh my God, I've just accidentally seen a picture of him in Bad Blood from 2010. That is amazing. Yeah, he's, he's been active and uh, even watched an, uh, a somewhat recent interview with him where he talked about, uh, because he, he was associated with the triad lifestyle and he talked about, uh, well, the, uh, the, the ethics and morals of triads back then versus now and how even if he is trying to justify their behavior, but he thought they were more patriotic, they were a secret society, and did better things. And nowadays, triads are um, are punks. They're criminals. They don't follow a moral code or anything. So, you know, he, he talked about that a little bit in an interview that's on YouTube. That's all, that's subtitled, actually. So. Oh, amazing. Let's check that out. Perpetual badass. I remember when he uh, turned up in uh, Gallants uh, as well, along with all the other veterans. And, and one of my favorite things, and I love telling this story because it's so heartwarming. Uh, they interviewed him for the making of, and one of his quotes were, Michael Chan, I'm just happy to be here because I get to play with my friends again. Aww. And I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, Gallants was a love letter for towards like old school Hong Kong cinema. Hilarious film, but you know it didn't have a mean streak in it. In, in it, you know. I can't go on now. Okay, <laughs> you said that. I can't do this. Get a beer. Look, look, look. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> beer, I'm a man. Gonna hulk out. Like an elixir. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dear. We cut to 1989, and a mega busy actor, singer, work ethics master, Andy Lau, gets into your uh, gangster film. And uh, because he, you know, being a singer and an actor, he uh, took that seriously. He was in so many movies at the time and probably it dealt with his singing career to a great extent as well you know it didn't take three years off just because he was in movies i'm fairly convinced 
that Andy Lau multitasked like you read about. How does he still look so good? Not, not a single bag under his eyes. It's just not fair, is it? I mean, the, the, he's a cyborg. You know that, right? This, of course, yeah. Sorry. Forgot about that. You can make him look any way you like. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but anyway, uh, during a uh, very small 13-day run, this Andy Lau, Johnny Wang movie, Bloody Brotherhood, became Johnny Wang's biggest hit to date. With, an, uh, with a 6 million Hong Kong dollar gross. It's not massive, but I have a feeling Andy Lau drew folks to the cinema. So if it had, you know, imagine if it uh, was playing for one month. Maybe mm. it would have cracked 10 or 15, you know, but uh, it was only in cinemas for 13 days. So I have a feeling uh, he was uh, a draw uh, because he was also in movies that were successful during that year, uh, 1989. So. Bloody Brotherhood wasn't the most successful Andy Lau movie of that year, but um, we'll uh, we'll mention some examples. Other 1989 hits were the Chai Fat drama All About Along, earning 31 million, and other Andy Lau films of that year included God of Gamblers, with with a Chai Fat Andy Lau combo to carry it to 37 million. Nice. Major hit and well deserved. It's a classic. Uh, Jackie Chan's Miracles, uh, aka Mr. Canton and Lady Rose, earned over 30 million as well. Uh, John Woo's The Killer earned 18 million. So it's all, I remember before looking at box office numbers as much as I do now, I remember the sort of vibe was that uh, John Woo's The Killer was a flop. It wasn't, but it wasn't that year's breakaway hit or anything. 18 million is okay, but it wasn't um, all about a long money. But uh, that was drama. It wasn't God of Gamblers money. That was comedy, you know. So uh, I think Chai Fat was a more comedic draw in the more uh, the longer the eighties ran. Chai Fat became more of a comedic draw, dramatic draw, um, and uh, it, it was an easier time versus The Killer, which is uh, obviously a, a violent action picture. Uh, and further, Andy Lau joints that managed to do better that year were we had Long Arm of the Law free at 12 million, Proud and Confident, aka Hong Kong's Top Gun, but it's about cops instead. Uh, a, a nice violent time, and that on 10 million. And it seems like so many movies are kind of were demanding to do action pictures and so forth, and yet all in one year. So uh, Andy Lau, I mean, there are tales out there of Hong Kong actors not going home for a while, just sleeping in vans, going from sets to sets. And uh, I I believe that story. I mean, uh, I think it was like like Bay Logan told the story of actor Eddie Coe, who's in uh, tons of movies, Duel to the Death and so forth, The Mission. He's the boss that the gang is tasked to protect in Johnny Toe's The Mission. And the story was that uh, even uh, an actor like Eddie Coe, who appears like in bit parts, supporting parts and what have you, he didn't go home for a couple of weeks. Because he was working, <laughs> you know, sli- sleeping in a car. And I can imagine that even though Andy Lau might not have slept in a van all he the time. in a limo. In a limo, perhaps. But, all right. But he put in the work, is, my, sure. uh, is my point. Yeah. Because as Bloody Brotherhood will demonstrate, it's not like Andy Lau did facial close-up reaction shots and then the stuntman did all the work for him. Nope. Andy Lau participated. On the front line, man. Absolutely. Okay, so by all accounts, Bloody Brotherhood sort of ticks the boxes. So a Johnny Wang movie, he's an action territory, gangster territory, it gets pretty violent and memorably so. And you get a slice and dice finale that makes it worth uh, pursuing. It's not Hong Kong Godfather, but it's a slice and dice finale. Mm. But sort of 
the interest comes and goes in terms of the in-between stuff. Uh, it's functional again, but it has some standout moments in terms of character depth. But, depth, but um, I found myself tuning out a little bit during the, especially during the second half of the in-between stuff. But it's certainly worth your time, and it's an easy vintage action watch because when it kicks off, it's um, it's memorable. So if you're looking for an action fix, this is uh, absolutely worth pursuing. Uh, so yeah, that's my short opinion for now. What did you think of Bloody Brotherhood? Yeah, it was good. I feel like it was a lot better than the last one. A well-made, exciting piece of cinema with a, with a still developing but iconic Hong Kong superstar. And I think you were right what you were saying earlier about whether it stayed in the cinemas a bit longer. It probably would have earned you know loads of money. I feel like there's the one poster for the film which is just Andy there front and center. Uh, he's also below it. He's also on the right of him, and he's got two pictures. Fuck Lam Wai, co-star of this film. Lam Wai gets one picture on the bottom, sadly, and he gets yeah two at the top as well. So yeah, I mean, it was it was all about him, and I feel like at that point people would have flocked to the cinema. I mean, I mean, all throughout you know his career, people flocked to the cinema to see him, but especially at that point as he was just emerging. Sometimes you couldn't keep films in cinema cinemas hoping they would blow up. If you sort of saw the trend. No, it's slowing down, but that we, we need to throw this out and put Long Arm of the Law free in there instead. Yeah, of course. Anything with Andy, just keep you know changing. As long as Andy's on the screen, just keep switching the film. That's, I suppose at that point, that's that's all that mattered. I was thinking like he's called, um, he's referred to as Wa, which is actually uh, what his future A Moment of Romance character was called. But, uh, ah, you know, it wasn't here. It wasn't yeah. done yet. But uh, oh, the Wadi the character of A Moment of Romance would become like this icon, whether mm. he was playing that type of character or not. But uh, but yeah, yeah which uh, was the the year after? Or? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, but yeah, so we got Chinese immigrants angle here again, the Hong Kong crime angle. So there's a little bit of an unavoidable echo of Long Arm of the Law, especially since that film's star Lam Wai is here. But those characters were intent on robbing they didn't come with their family try to make a living and then had to aim for a criminal path no that, that was kind of their intent in long arm of the law so it, it's it's just a, like an echo if you want there to be an echo there but um long arm of the law certainly is this um influential piece of uh, action cinema so uh oh, no hugely. and I, I feel like it's interesting that both films um we're covering this episode deal with immigrants and immigration and have these uh, have this commentary on maybe Hong Kong not being the paradise mainlanders perceive it to be. Uh, I think it's done a, a lot more effectively here, but it's it's interesting that both films are kind of like, like it isn't shoehorned in. In City Warriors, it was shoehorned in towards the end, like we are the world. Here, it's like yeah. a little bit. It's just, it's pops up throughout the film's narrative, especially as Andy Lau's character is uh, is uh, pushed around a bullet and uh, he gravitates towards. Uh, uh, being a triad instead um, so you're, you're very right uh, well spotted uh, being in a John Wang film is not easy young middle aged or old so the actress playing the mother on the boat Andy Lau's mother gets a taste of the harshness of a Johnny Wang film because there's two shots here where someone has his fingers down her throat while she one instance um uh, uh, spits up white bile because she's sick and in the second time she does the same but with uh, fake blood so it's like okay <laughs> 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 like, do you have fake fingers no 
it, it, it's like, okay, uh, wangers, you'll you'll abuse anybody, right? Then <laughs> no one, no one is safe. Like, like it doesn't <laughs> slap her around, but like uh, the mother's gonna die, so we're gonna show it, and uh, you know, pe- people die these ways. So, so it's like it's very method, and so Hong Kong cinema just put everyone in sort of peril, uh, you know, because it couldn't be, it couldn't have been nice, even if you did it for one take. I don't think Johnny Wang could afford to be a David Fincher and just go 30, 40, 50 takes of smashing, like like smashing a computer, like in the social network or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have the time. It was just like you were saying before, just you know, get it done, put it in or don't put it in. And, and she's and, old. And what, what if she doesn't like having her fingers? <laughs> Do it. Like, put the fingers in. Look, take your teeth out, <laughs> put your fingers in and then put them back in as soon as, as, soon as you're done. But it's a cracking little sequence. Um, there's a satisfying level of violence uh, when that boat is uh, facing off uh, versus Coast Guards because they, they open fire mm. on the Coast Guards and the machine gun fire lighting up the actors rigged with squibs and some very good reactions to, yeah. to that. That was excellent. I love that stuff. because Nice uh, and atmospheric. Because he, he doesn't do John Woo in terms of like um, making the squibs this sort of piece of balletic art or anything. He mm. just lights them up. You know, 24 frames, light them up with scripts. You know, no slow-mo here. And I I think that's, uh, again, the further expansion of the eye he had with um, and his collaborators for uh, making action sort of this, sort of this felt and impactful. It, it, it's not, uh, it's not uh, something you just do. You you need to do, do it well. There needs to be a skill level here to make that uh, stuff... Uh, Look cool and look uh, dangerous and look lethal and uh, and hard and uh, rather than soft and like just uh, yeah whatever just blow up the squib hurrah we're we're John Woo right sure like like it isn't that <laughs> I think I probably said it before but I think with this type of filmmaking filmmaking to make it look loose and chaotic the planning needs to be the complete opposite and I, and I feel like you need an eye for that and it needs to be kind of planned properly I mean it might be a bit you know done in one spur of the moment but there definitely needs to to be some talent behind the camera to capture that because because i think sometimes sometimes when stunts are involved in uh, in films that are challenging and dangerous they i I think they're they're not conceptualized six months prior or anything and they do tests upon tests upon tests but samo and the likes they had persons there who uh, knew how to to be good despite it coming off as off the cuff and way too um, impractical and dangerous so the, the you know the, the skill level uh, and the craftsmanship across uh, Hong Kong uh, Hong Kong cinema understand persons or whatever it it's really it's really high I think and um, all, all that stuff looks uh, looks good here in the beginning of the film and, and as you said there is a China thread here about the immigration and mistreatment and uh, and the fact that Hong Kong isn't this uh, savior for you that everything's going to turn around there, there is a movie called lost souls uh, from the director of men behind the sun where the characters w- want to go to hong kong and they want to go to diamond hill which is a place in hong kong i believe and in their heads because they don't they, they come from such a, a harsh environment and they're treated harshly along the way diamond hill is very literal and when they arrive and it isn't remotely that then then hong kong has failed them Completely, you know, so uh, m- movies have done, exploitation movies even, have done an examination of how Hong Kong can sort of fail uh, fail characters. That's the end of that film, where they find Diamond Hill and it isn't what it's 
sounded like at all. Uh, so there is that. Uh, that's the movie he did at Shaw Brothers, Lost Souls. That's a really harsh film uh, at Shaw Brothers uh, before he did Men Behind the Sun. Andy Lau engages in action, as we said. And uh, there's a, a couple of sequences throughout the film, but an early one sees him uh, uh, doing some street fighting. And um, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, how does Andy Lau come off as an action performer here? Uh, do you think he involves himself greatly, or is it just stuntmen doing the work for little little old Andy? No, definitely not. I think I think he looks great, and I think from the very get go, even stuff like Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars and uh, Magic Crystal, you know, Andy always came out guns blazing. Uh, and whether he's you know skilled as, as other performers in terms of martial arts is is you know up for debate. But I think he always looks really good, looks powerful, knows what he's doing, uh, and this film is is no different. He's getting to perform in choreography that's, I'm sure there's a technical term for this, but I'm going to be a bit literal about it. He has to engage in choreography where there's design coming in from left and right and from behind and from behind right. You know, he needs to, it isn't linear necessarily, that he just needs to face one way and react one way. And that'll be it. No, he has to engage in this uh, uh, this sort of demonstration of timing as stuntmen come come in and out of frame and that sort of aspect appears here in the first uh, street fighting uh, yeah definitely uh, street fighting uh, uh, set piece here and uh, you know doing uh, multiple takedowns and doing some select stunts uh, being thrown into breakaway stuff um, that appears more towards the end though so in terms of doubling uh, they do but he performs as much as sort of, I think, logically needed. He isn't overextending himself. Like, he isn't that mad. When things are meant for stuntmen, he does leave them to stuntmen. Because we see him so much. We realize that he's uh, he's put in the work to nail this choreography as uh, best he can. And he doesn't look soft. He really doesn't look soft. And I think that's very mm. admirable as well. Because uh, if someone would have looked soft, then the reaction would have been hard. Like, uh, I'll punch you now. And that stuntman just throws himself across the set. That would have been so embarrassment, uh, embarrassing. But he really isn't. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, he he does a good job. And we've seen that before, as you said, many years before. Uh, those movies you mentioned are like three or four years prior to this. And we've seen it subsequently with Moon Warriors and what have you. Even though that's a big wuxia film. Andy still does stuff where you see it's Andy. And uh, that's physically, uh, you know, it's not easy. To, to do so no I th- I, you're definitely right but and um i think like you were saying he doesn't exert himself in terms of he doesn't do everything that's that's not that isn't he doesn't do everything because it's not necessary but anything that involves kind of him in the moment close-ups uh of him he, he's there and also like you're saying it's more it's a kind of one on one versus numerous opponents which is a bit more difficult to fight i would think than just a one-on-one battle because again he's getting attacked from all sides and if he's not on it with the choreography the timing's a bit off then it's not going to work but it definitely works here and um he does really well i've never heard any like him telling any stories of uh, how much he was injured or anything so it seems like he escaped uh, without being like cut due to uh, mistiming or whatever either on his behalf or someone else's behalf so it seems like he uh, escaped uh, and, and and I'm thinking more like if uh, if something uh, sharp like cut him or whatever like uh, because you wouldn't want to have that face 
cut and scarred, you know, but that pops in your face. But uh, still, he engaged himself in, in action cinema on uh, quite a frequent basis and looked excellent to doing so. So uh, I think um, th- this is a good showcase for that. I do like the narrative transition into him uh, following the Michael Chan character because uh, he's called Tong Fai. He has the patience to mentor Andy Lao's Wa, despite being physically and verbally attacked by him initially. Someone else probably would have been dead after having done such a thing, but it seems like he uh, he sees something in the kid. So he, he does decide to mentor him. It's it's I didn't expect that. I thought they were going to be like mortal enemies after that point. But uh, it, it, it turns out to be this uh, rocky start that leads to a mentorship, that leads to a, a brotherhood. Uh, uh, that's uh, a bloody brotherhood if you will so uh i mean was that a tough sell like uh how can how can such an experienced triad boss have that patience for someone who attacked him like or did you think that was a neat thing that michael chan's character is tolerant in that regard that he's uh he's willing to take the kid on despite the kid being that rash uh, yeah I, I really liked it and I, and I thought it was a little bit playing against type because like i was kind of joking about before he does play a triad but but with a with a heart of gold like he's very um open to taking andy on and he he's very opposed to getting involved in any drugs or prostitution or, or violence um compared to shumway's character um who plays hoy so i like that i like that dynamic um and i also really like his story his character arc uh i mean it does end up a bit a bit tragic for him but i really like that and he's he's really given a bit more space to shine in in, in this film he's a very dignified actor michael chan he's not a hammy actor he can be a very dignified actor and uh and and, and dealing character drama quite well and and that includes this movie actually yeah definitely and he's, he's given a chance to, to stretch his legs and, and do kind of uh, different takes on the character, or at least kind of character the character at different times of his life, and it's 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 really really interesting. Um, but yeah, really like that. I think uh, him along with Lam Wei are probably the best thing about the film for oh, yeah. me oh, yeah. personally. It's 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 between those two for sure. And and Lam Wei actually enters the film at the halfway point again. He's in it, and then uh, structurally, we're not getting him until uh, until uh, a flash forward actually. Because uh, this movie takes place, uh, uh, we we we, uh, we cut to seven years later at one point. So the, the, these initial stages are more small town triad stuff. It can be deadly, but it's small town triad stuff. And then it gets a bit urban because it also transitions to Taiwan at one point. So uh, Shumway, uh, nicely devious. It's a role he knows well. You know that he's. Uh, He's power hungry and he's gonna make things difficult for other uh, other characters. Uh, there's no real reason why he's wearing uh, gloss, uh, sunglasses, but with one of the shaded uh, glasses uh, lenses uh, removed. But I guess you'd want to be noticed visually in the film. He's done that last two films for sure. <laughs> he keeps that look throughout the film. Uh, you can laugh at it a little bit, but I, I think he's such a dependable. Uh, actor to portray these vile characters that if you're gonna have a com- almost a comedic uh, wardrobe quirk then uh, yeah why not i mean go for it why you've earned it <laughs> i think um i'm starting to feel like 
uh, Shumway, he can and will be the Dean Sheck of the 80s if he wants to be. And he mostly plays unlikable characters, which I suppose fits that assessment. But, I mean, here he does come off as a bit annoying and, and a bit gross. And it, it's just those particular acting tics that he has. I mean, he's always picking his eye or smacking his lips or something. And it's like, <laughs> it's, really, it's really off-putting. But it's, you know, I suppose that's what makes his character his character. Yeah, for sure. So um, he's um, he's going to be in the film route and be the uh, object of... Uh, um, you know, he, he he turns out to be a little bit of a big big bad. I, I I love the transition, by the way. Speaking of the flash forward, uh, he is the maniacal laughing uh, baddie. So so they go from like <laughs> laughing in uh, whatever year it is, ha, 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 cut to seven years later, <laughs> he's still laughing. But now he's uh, he's more rich. He's got different followers. Uh, they have a bigger office. They all drink uh, brandy or whatever, and he's the ha 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 ha, and that's. Not scary nor award worthy, but it's Hong Kong cinema doing what Hong Kong cinema does, and it's kind of adorable, I suppose. Because there's no desire here to blow up the genre or anything. Like, I'm gonna change the game. It's about executing independently, and he does. The latter half has some weaknesses, as I'll talk of. And was set up in Hong Kong, you know, is easy and enjoyable enough enough to follow, despite no violence to break it up there's not not extensive action scenes for the first 40 30 minutes or anything and familiar faces and character actors keeps us busy too ku feng is here and what have you so it, it's it's sort of comforting hong kong cinema and and, and all that stuff so you know uh, ku feng dis- disappears of course from from the narrative because presumably his his character passes away um during those seven years yeah it's nice to see him and and, and i mean philip co pops up and also our uh, stars from our last film uh, show up as well towards the back end uh, in smaller roles. Uh, Dick Way and Ken Lo. Yeah, uh, Dick Way has a little. Uh, I didn't notice Ken Lo, but uh, uh, Dick Way certainly. Like, hi, I'm Dick Way. Stab. Bye. I'm Dick Way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ken's at the very end of the film. I think he's one of the the three uh, triad guys that gets introduced right. to uh, not Lam Wei's character. Lam Wei's character, but yeah, get, gets uh, introduced to Sean Wei's character at the end of the film. We, um, if we saw like Michael Chan, by the way, in like 90s roles and Young and Dangerous films and what have you, um, he didn't focus uh, that much on doing action by that point. But in, in this movie, he does. And uh, he, he looks good uh, throwing, uh, throwing punches in, uh, in a particular brawl he's involved in before he's arrested, right? Uh, so that you get with Chan Wai Man as well, that uh, he is going to be an action performer. Uh, in the film so uh, that's a uh, neat to see so it isn't just Andy Lau throwing stuntmen around but also Chan Wai Man looking uh, uh, fairly good uh, throwing punches and uh, uh, powerful even though his uh, acting role here is a bit uh, more engaging yeah. so uh, Lam Wai I'm a big fan of he's one of those actors that I don't think anyone knows that much about but uh, somehow as always uh, He's a little bit of a cult action hero, I suppose, in Hong Kong cinema. He's got size to him, and he's got uh, the ability to, uh, again, appear powerful, whether doing hand-to-hand or gunplay or what have you. Uh, Again, long arm of the law is his sort of a signature role, I suppose. But uh, always liked him, but he, as you hinted at, this uh, role uh, requires a little bit more... um, uh, depth and nuance, and he's good at uh, communicating that, as uh, as uh, we'll uh, we'll get to. But it's 
he's in the wings for a large part of the movie. So I, I was looking forward to what they're gonna what are they gonna do because he was arrested and brought back to the mainland and then cut to seven years later and he's ruthless in Hong Kong in that uh, sequence where they rob the uh, the the money transport uh, van and uh, here Johnny Wang again is so good at logging some I don't know some cruel feeling images you know of, uh, like like just simple stuff like gods. Uh, you know lying on the ground all bloody and all shot up like he has an eye for that staging and it feels cruel it feels uh, very dark uh, for some reason and I, I i know i'm not explaining it very well but uh, it's also it's also similar to a scene in this man is dangerous by the way but um whatever uh johnny wang's character did uh, appear in that film and uh, he they did a similar similar scene in this man is dangerous but still seeing lam Wai, you, you you'd think Tom, oh, he's gone ruthless, and the brothers are gonna fight and shoot each other. Ah, bloody brotherhood! But it's not that. No, it's um, like you're saying a lot more nuanced. He's playing a very conflicted character as well, kind of badass, armed robber, but also person who's kind of dealing with you know some some very dicey situations in the back end, uh, dramatically, kind of very interesting situations and yeah i feel like he's, he's a really underrated actor um he's always very memorable whether i'm just remembering the mustache or, or not i don't know but I, I do always remember him you should and uh, <laughs> because it's off because it's often there so <laughs> uh and yeah he, he's great in this and i think maybe they they kind of spoiled it by putting him on the poster you know maybe they should have not bothered uh and, and maybe him coming back would have been a bit more of a surprise this is not getting our money we'll go we're, we're going to long arm of the law free <laughs> yeah, whatever i thought <laughs> or all I about was, along <laughs> yeah i was i was the uh i was the same as you i was kind of waiting for him to return and it didn't spoil the film but i definitely kind of felt a bit restless at some point uh at some points thinking about when it when he was going to return but as you're saying that the lack of action in the first 45 minutes or so or hour i didn't really feel it because i felt like the story between uh andy's uh, character and michael chance was was really interesting and really sweet and i, I really liked the kind of build up to that you know uh flash forward um in the middle of the film i, I do like the lamb wise character we, we quickly find out after that uh, robbery that um he's built sort of from the same blocks as his uh, brother because he asks well my uh, the guys who died they, their family needs to be compensated so we know that he hasn't turned into this ruthless uh, criminal that uh, doesn't care about anything family or or what have you yeah uh, but but what, what i thought was a little bit lacking but again not a huge problem for the movie in the second half was for instance like and andy lau's story with irene one who becomes his wife and uh, births a couple of children and what have you. So their their story, I thought, really, I, I didn't care that much for it, even when it turns uh, as dicey as that does. I won't spoil. I won't spoil that actually. And they, they had good chemistry. They had some really good, like, playful scenes. And then she just became this instrument of drama that really didn't uh, that really didn't care for as such. It was really. I'd uh, agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Definitely, she has she she plays more of a role in the film as one that yeah like kind of one that's um, creating the drama or 
a source of the drama rather than getting any good acting moments itself. I do, I do agree with that. Because so, so some of the initial scenes, because uh, they, uh, her family, fished Andy Lau's character out of the water in the beginning of the film and takes care of him, and uh, she's uh, she's really playful and uh, isn't this uh, wallflower or anything. And then they sort of drop that when she becomes a wife and mother and uh, really didn't care for that. But the Johnny Wang, because he works with Michael Chan, Lam Wai and Andy Lau to an extent, he manages to find moments where you are engaged in a drama and fairly impressed with what the veterans, the, the older actors are are bringing here. You know, for, for instance, when we re-meet Michael Chan, yes, there are echoes of A Better Tomorrow here. Really, really huge echoes of a better tomorrow here. When you know, just think T Long meeting Chai and Fat after being released from prison in a better tomorrow, and here Michael Chan is uh, uh, in the dumps a little bit. Um, so I didn't think it was too on, on the nose, but yeah, I think echoes is definitely yeah, right Fury is on the nose because, yeah, <laughs> a bit more, yeah. <laughs> That just looks just like a better tomorrow's beginning stages a little bit. To see then that uh, Lam Wai uh, and Andy Lau re-team and there isn't this black-hearted character in Lam Wai. But because his uh, uh, alliances and allegiances and his loyalty and uh, the jobs he takes, that's going to create those dicey dramatic moments that are quite felt. They never... Johnny Wang does resist this extreme level of distraught characters i.e he doesn't go a huge melodramatic route because i think in michael chan and lam Wai, i think he sees that i don't need to uh push those buttons because the, the, those guys are good at communicating uh torment pretty damn well so we don't need to go 11 on the melodrama as such uh it is melodramatic by because of the design of the drama, but it isn't this. <laughs> I'm conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a bit more subtler than that, and I feel like um, the back end as well, where they do reunite. There's not this kind of big dramatic scene. It's it, it's very nuanced and kind of just just really really well done. Some nice beats of uh, tension when uh, Johnny Wang sits with Irene Wan's character, but I, I, I don't want to spoil that. that that's um, um, and, and a memorable part of the film. Um, granted, it's not an easy film to get a hold of, but still, you, you don't want the whole film spoiled. So I, I guess we should just talk of some non-story, but still specifics, about the slice and dice ending. This uh, has transitioned to triad warfare that is a little bit urban. Yes, it isn't just a small town, village, uh, triad warfare. But they still don't turn this into tried organizations, different sides with huge access to guns or anything. So what, Tom, what does Andy Lau bring to the finale? Does he bring a gun? Does he bring a, uh, a, uh, does he bring a machete or a little bat? No, what does he bring? He brings a potato peeler, which I thought was an odd <laughs> choice. Uh, no, he brings a saw. Big old uh, saw. <laughs> which uh, I thought was, uh, I thought this is this is going to be pretty awesome uh, when he rolled up with that. And yeah, it's, it, it's bloody, it's exciting. It still has that um, kind of hand-to-hand combat with it in spots as well, but... Man, yeah, just really, really good. A lot of atmosphere, a lot of tension, and it just explodes. It kind of does, and uh, I think the same notes apply to Andy uh, from my side when I talked of the earlier brawls, that he's in this, and he's he has to face a 360-degree 
choreography, you know, stumping coming in, in and out. But that, uh, I suppose, uh, 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 not a dinner hall, but, but they hold a reception there. Yeah. That environment is going to just explode as well because stuntmen are thrown through glass and windows and through tables obviously some breakaway stuff is here and Lau is thrown into one at one point so he, he does take some falls but but there are select stunts here but they aren't obvious because johnny wang isn't you know he isn't choosing to like look at this massive acrobatic complex move in slow motion no it's all part of the flow where you sort of need to stop i think I think that was a stunt, possibly. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know it's not... Uh, yeah, it takes a few seconds for your brain to register almost. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I love how um, how ferocious this is. It isn't quite on the level of Hong Kong Godfather, but actually pretty damn good. It's and, close. Uh, yeah, it's close. Because of uh, just how much the environment gets destroyed and used as well. There's a little bit that I posted on Twitter that I actually loved um, in terms of how... Johnny Wang uses the environment and his uh, action directing team, Hong, San, Nam, and Tony Tam. Uh, obviously, Shum Wai is the object of uh, of uh, Andy Lau's here. He's going down. So at one point when Andy Lau is uh, flailing the saw around, Shum Wai's character jumps up on a table. It's a stuntman at this point. And uh, Andy Lau swings, he jumps. I think he does it once or twice, but let's just say he does it once. Because he swings for his legs and Shumwai jumps up, he hits the lamp. Oh, yeah. And then falls off the table. <laughs> and that's not random design. That's meant to be that way. That It's so chaotic that you think you're avoiding, but you're he's hitting the lamp and then he falls off the table and he's quite a bloody mess when... Sean Y does the um, reaction shot. He's a bit older, so I don't expect him to participate that much in the action. And I love how the environment is used in that regard. It's uh, it's difficult to pick out many moments in this chaos, but it's really well done. And again, uh, our lead is participating to uh, quite a large uh, degree. And uh, and yeah, if you were on board with the film, then you get a great action finale. If you were a little bit so-so on some sections like I were, I was. Then you get this finale, and it's a guys. It's a win-win situation. Come on. And I guess it hasn't been highlighted that much because it's not a movie that has been reissued many times and has that much of a reputation because it's one of many Andy Lau films, one of many many trial films with Andy Lau. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I suppose it's easy for it to get drowned out a little bit, but um, it it's quite a sequence and. Um, a nice coda to the film, I suppose. Some minor notes before I uh, conclude and throw over to you. Uh, we mentioned the Dick Way cameo. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, hi, stab, yeah. bye. <laughs> um, so no real action for Dick Way. Oh, I mean, yeah, he gets stabbed himself, doesn't he? It's, it's hello, oh, you stabbed me, bye. Can, can I get 100 Hong Kong dollars and uh, <laughs> for that? I like... Uh, it turns up in so many movies, so I'm, I'm quite fond of it. It's, it's one of those, like, drink when you see the point and chat amongst yourselves extras that are watching a confrontation. Uh, I love when there are extras that are instructed to uh, mime talking to themselves, talking to their body b- beside them, and then point, and then loop that. Right? <laughs> you see it in martial arts movies, you see it in modern movies. I, I find that so adorable because it's it's uh, it's what it is it's what they're instructed to do i don't think it's something you know it's until you're really looking for it i suppose 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you watch a couple of Shaw Brothers movies in a row, you you, you realize <laughs> yeah. that yep, they're doing that again. Like, <laughs> point and chat amongst yourselves, extras, and drink when you see them. So uh, only one scene of it, so you won't get uh, smashed as such. No. Uh, likely, uh, if, if if this would have been um, a UK release, it would likely not be uncut due to the bird, uh, the, the, uh, the the two birds that fight in the cage. Uh, Michael Chan and Sean Wai both bring their bird cages but uh, they're going to solve their differences by having their respective birds uh, peck at each other in the bird cage and I don't think that's uh, is a sequence that the BBFC would allow I doubt it man yeah it doesn't matter for the film it's really uh, why, why why do it with birds why, why not just fight it out like normal triad movies do but hey. yeah and why do it with birds that look exactly the same Get a bit, bit confusing, right? Yeah, yeah, they're like looking like my bird is winning. Like, how could you tell? <laughs> they're both black and they're both white. Like, this is exactly what I thought. Uh, so, so yeah, even if, if that sequence would be lost, you wouldn't lose uh, sleep over it, man. No, no, for sure. I think they're sensitive still, even though the BBFC are much more open to stuff. I don't think that scene would uh, would make it because uh, those animals. Uh, that's mistreatment obviously some lulls and weaknesses aside it it really is um a, a positive grade overall especially when you get the sore slice and dice ending definitely i i agree with you matt and i feel like it might be you know narratively a, a bit creaky here and there maybe not kind of a film where you're on the edge of your seat for the entirety but you know mostly really good good performances good action um, and, and a really interesting early Andy performance to check out. Uh, as for availability, um, a little bit hard to get. Currently, it was represented on Hong Kong Home Video by Ocean Shores. I don't know if that uh, is equal to the length of the later May Ah DVD that we watched a copy of. Uh, that is hard to get hold of secondhand nowadays. Both editions are. I googled uh, one place that sold a DVD R of the film, but uh, I, I couldn't really tell if. It was from DVD or VHS, so I didn't uh, want to take a chance on it or anything. Uh, YouTube has an HD version of Bloody Brotherhood, but it runs 77 minutes. It has no English subtitles. The DVD runs 96 minutes. So this is more than likely missing a good chunk of stuff that you'd want in there. Interesting. I wonder what's missing. Um, I'll have to check that out and report back. Yeah, um, I'm only theorizing violence, perhaps drug use, um, you know, uh, but but it's a, uh, it's a lot to, uh, to take out of a movie, you know. Uh, and there's also a more sort of pixelated standard def- definition version on YouTube that runs the right running time, but that has no English subtitles. So... So if you need subtitles, you need to find the DVD somehow. I didn't, but uh, it was one of those cheapo Maya DVDs I didn't pick up back in the day. So uh, Poff historian Jay Lee stepped in with an assist and uh, and uh, sent over his uh, original copy of the Maya DVD. So thank you very much, JL. Legend. So uh, yeah, you couldn't get them all. I got a lot back in the day because they were so cheap, but this was one I simply didn't. Um, so thank you, DDD House. We appreciate it. Yeah, forty Hong Kong dollars a pop back in like two thousand and five, six, seven. You just I've just bought like seven or eight a week. Oh, glory days, buddy! <laughs> glory days. And that way you got to experience a lot of Hong Kong cinema, and uh, that was great. But um, you can't collect them all. This was one uh, such a. Pokemon I missed, so <laughs> failure on my behalf. But hey. 
anyway, we are done for this director series. We have, if my calculation is correct, three movies left. Um, and, I, and I've seen all, but it's been quite a while. But next up, we'll be doing Angry Ranger and Widow Warriors. Possibly that order is reversed. Widow Warriors, it's been a long time since I watched it. it it's per default, like a Girls With Guns films. But I remember, and if I remember correctly, that the setup was quite nice. That it's literally, you know, the widows, widowers of murdered characters. Probably gangsters that need to step so. into the frame. So it's not... Uh, it's yeah it fits into the timeline that girls with guns films were popular but it uses that sort of setup that uh, it, it probably opens with like uh, these men and these useless wives or whatever and then the men dies and then the wives have to step up and they are the gun toting heroes and what have you and that's pretty damn cool look forward to it man so we got that angry ranger which is uh, probably one of the more seen it's certainly one of the seen hmm, but certainly known Johnny Wang movies uh, after Hong Kong Godfather because it's produced by Jackie Chan and has the Jackie Chan Stuntman Association action design, but with the sort of harder, slightly harder edged, painful Johnny Wang touch as well. So. Yeah, interesting blend. Look forward to that one too. It's played for four days in the cinema. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I checked that out. Like, uh, it, it, I wonder how much that made. I mean, Jackie Chan as producer, it did not even make a million because it played for four effing days. <laughs> Sanity. Like, it's not working, guys. Get it out of here. It's, uh, the, the fate of Hong Kong Moo is in a thriving marketplace even in 1991. You need to be good from the get-go or you're out. <laughs> No, so it's it's kind of uh, it's amusing but sad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like my life, <laughs> like Tom's life. My life is awesome, by the way. I don't, I'm not complaining. You don't have to rub it in. I've got commentary fame by now. You do. You do. You do. <laughs> uh, it's not fame, but it's fun. Anyway, we will be back for the next uh, director series soon enough for all your podcast on Fire Network needs, including the back catalogue of director series. Check out the website and uh, wherever you get podcasts, uh, you'll find all our shows as well. And I mentioned uh, commentary, commentary fame, but it's not fame. But what that means is uh, me and Phil Gillan have done a series of commentaries for 88 films. And at the time of recording, the following are out, uh, some of them even in America. Armor of God. Monkey Kung Fu, not to be confused with uh, Mad Monkey Kung Fu. Uh, Human Lanterns, the horror wuxia hybrid from Shaw Bros, an excellent film. We also have, uh, we, were, we were part of the Tiger Cage trilogy box set and provided the commentary for the third film starring Michael uh, Wong. And uh, at the time of recording, it's coming out um, sometime in September. We are also doing uh, one of the commentaries on the Yumbu Neo Noir Neo Noir classic on the run. Yeah, and that was a delightful thing to do—a very meaningful movie to me. One of my favorites. Uh, buying these forty Hong Kong dollar DVDs from DDD House, like picking up on the run. Boom! What is this? This is a <laughs> gem and a half. And uh, and finally, after all these years, I could see the full ending off on the run. Yeah, therefore. of course. So, but yeah, and uh, there are some other things in the pipeline, but at the time of recording, it's not uh, extras are not fully announced. So keep it keep it at that. But we we have some more stuff, and we're working on some new stuff as well for twenty twenty three. Stuff coming up, man! Incredible. So, what beer movie are you doing audio commentary on, lads? Over at the Logilogs. Uh, you can, uh, as of recording, head over to YouTube and check out uh, me, Ken, and 
Stuart's commentary of The World's End, which we recorded last year for anniversaries now up on YouTube. Check that out. Um, we've got a couple of other ideas coming up. Still mentioned on some sort of like, let's watch Beer Fest as a commentary. Like, what is that? Yeah, there's a newer film coming out that involves beer. I should really start listening to Stu when he speaks or when he tells <laughs> you about these things. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, yeah, check check out the log logs if you want to hear me speaking the same as I am now, but instead of Hong Kong cinema, uh, beer. When, when you hear Tom speak in his native beer tongue, then uh, then you can check out vlogalogs.com. Ah, a lot of speaking in tongues over there, yeah, for sure. And and, and, and to be fair, uh, to be really serious, that show isn't about, let's see how smashed we can get on YouTube, but it's about reviewing <laughs> beer and doing like taste tests, like uh, proper, uh, proper high society persons. Ah, I wouldn't say high society, but uh, we try. Yeah, try to... High society persons that buy 99p beer. Um, <laughs> do those two things go together? Uh, I'm trying to think, possibly. Um, but no, we definitely like to have a good mix of stuff. Um, and hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy it if you if you do check it out. Uh, we'd appreciate it. It's a great community. I think we've got going on now a lot of like-minded individuals, which which is awesome. So yeah, whether that be on the Instagram, um, or the YouTube, uh, yeah, he- head on over there if you've got. A couple of hours spare. And drink alongside the lads. Do that, definitely. You'll need it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll be back. Uh, thank you, Tom, for your insights, as uh, always. And it's uh, always a blast to discuss it uh, with you. I need someone to bounce uh, bounce off uh, thoughts uh, uh, with. And I'm too. very and, uh, rubbery. You're very rubbery. <laughs> Boing! There's, there's a good criticism. And uh, yeah, he's doing well. Boing! There's another good criticism. <laughs> It's been a pleasure, man. As always, looking forward to the next one. We'll we'll do the next one in a bouncy castle. So, oh, sounds good to me. <laughs> so, escape from brothel, right? Boing, <laughs> boing, boing. Yeah, from a bouncy nude fight, castle. nude fight. Perfect. No, in a movie, not here. <laughs> so, see you for next episode. Thank you very much for listening to our discussion on city warriors and bloody brotherhood. So, this has been Kenobi, and with me was Tom K W of of this show and the Logilogs. So, say goodbye to the to the the nice uh, kids who enjoy Johnny Wang movies. Goodbye, nice kids. Thank you for joining us. See you on that bouncy castle next time. <laughs>